History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're chatting with Bill Cruz from the Exodus Foundation and the Wayside Chapel, doing a lot of great work with the homeless in Sydney. I uh, bumped into him at an airport in Canberra once and promised I would do an interview one day, and I finally got him on the radio. How you doing, brother? <laughs> Good, thank you. Good. <laughs> it's great to connect with you, mate. Now, for those who don't Thanks, know man. your story, let's uh, find out a bit of your background. Where were you born and raised? I was born in England um, in a place called Hartford. In um, a, Yeah, and my parents came to Australia when I was about the age of three. Okay. And we then moved out to St Mary's, which is in the western suburbs of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of grew up there until I was about... Oh, 11. Mm-hmm. Then we moved. And then at, at, a, at a period of time, I moved quite a bit because my father was itinerant like that, moving as an engineer with a, a big meatworks. And um, so um, I ended up in Townsville and kind of I've seen a fair bit of Australia. <laughs> you know, I, I went to about 12 different schools as well. So, you know, there was a lot of movement in my life. Wow, you've been everywhere, man. And tell us about yeah. your uh, your upbringing. Did you have a religious upbringing at all? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. My parents, my parents were what part of World War Two, and my dad was in the Air Force and in England, and um, my mum, my mum and my grandma, when I was born, used to hold a sheet over the cot in case a bomb hit the house. So. It was kind of like that. Wow. So, that was, so basically survival. Okay. They'd survived the Depression and World War Two. So, you know, it was don't talk about your feelings and just get on with life. <laughs> okay. And how did, uh, t- tell me a bit about your faith journey. How did you stumble across your faith? Well, I didn't. Oh, I think it stumbled across me in a way. <laughs> um, I... Um, what, what can I say? Um, I, 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 had, I had a degree in engineering and I was working for what was called AWA at the time, doing research into uh, silicon. And because um, we made the first heart pacemakers and touch radios and all of those sorts of things. And um, um, I was always looking for more, always, always searching. And um, one day... Uh, ended up in Sydney's domain. It was like talkback radio. There was um, all the speakers used to get up on platforms and uh, uh, talk about things. So you had the Christians, you had the rationalists, you had the communists, you had the unionists, you had every sort of person you could think of on a soapbox sprouting their ideas. And it was just wonderful. And through that, one of the speakers said, I'm speaking at the Wayside Chapel. So I went up there in King's Cross and there was just so much need, so much need. And I just got caught up in that. And um, 
started volunteering to help people, particularly runaway kids. All those stories that about um, priests and ministers sexually abusing kids are true. I know because they were coming to me and telling me those stories back in the 70s, you know. Mm. And a lot of them now I took to the Royal Commission, which was held. And it was just all these things at the back of my neck kept saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, you know. And Ted Knox was pretty smart. He was the minister. Mm -hmm. And he used to run a Sunday night service, which was pretty heretical, you can imagine, you know. (laughs) And... um, um, I, I one day I just had this massive experience where I was walking up the stairs of the coffee shop to um, to do my voluntary thing, and it was like I got to the landing and it was like time stood still, mm. and then this voice, but it wasn't a voice; it was just a knowing, and it said, "You got to leave your job. You got to come and work here. You got to work with the poorest of the poor. The work will be long and hard and arduous." You'll become well-known. Let's get all of those. And then right at the end, it said, oh, and by the way, your personal life won't be that happy. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that's what makes it real Mm. because you don't, with every gift comes a cost. Mm. And I thought if it was just, oh, and life will be sunbeams and rainbows and all that for you for the rest of time, if you do what I tell you, I wouldn't have believed it. I'd have thought that's just wishful thinking. But, because it said it as it was, I realised it was true. So the next day I had to go to AWA and resign, which caused a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And parents freaked out. Everybody freaked out. And I went and worked at the Wayside Chapel with the poorest of the poor. Well, it's been an inspirational story to see how the Wayside Chapel and the uh, Exodus Foundation has impacted so many lives. You've been doing it for over 30 years now. Uh, And, you know, it's a frontline charity uh, in one of the roughest parts of of Sydney. Tell us what it looks like today. What's what's day-to-day look like for you now? I'm basically in Ashfield now where the Exodus Foundation is based. But at Ashfield, we'll we'll provide probably a 1,000 meals for homeless and needy people. We do that in our Loaves and Fishes restaurant, which at the moment under COVID times is... At times we can't, so people have to take away and that. Yeah. But we've got mobile vans. So we go out now. What we've learned is to go where the people are, you yeah. know. Yep. Don't bring them to you. Go and find them where they are. Yep. So we've got oh, probably a dozen locations we go to mm-hmm. to supply meals to needy people. And it's kind of morphing at this time from feeding the homeless to feeding the hungry mm-hmm. because... With COVID and with all the changes that went on, there are lots of people who wouldn't regard themselves as as homeless but are hungry, you Mm, know. mm. So we work with them as well. Well, it's certainly been a a tumultuous year last year with COVID and I know a lot of the homeless were put into hotels and they were putting into all sorts of places all over the place. And And now they're getting kicked out again. (laughs) Yeah, it's certainly been a rollercoaster ride for a lot of them. And you know, I've yeah. you know, I do I do a soup kitchen, and we and we work in a lot of yeah. uh, boarding houses as well, and do a similar thing. We take meals out as well. We we found we had to close the soup kitchen and just go out to where they were, the same as you. So a lot of charities have had yeah. to do this. But are you finding there's been an increase in anxiety, mental health battles, depression? Oh, How are you guys combating huge. that? Huge. My feeling is that 
there won't be enough psychologists and psychiatrists to deal with all the mental health issues that are being generated yeah. so that we're going to have to have self-help groups. Yeah. So we do a lot of that. Um, I actually threw out all the pews of the church and opened it up as a, as a centre so that we have kind of every 12-step group you can think of and we have um, anxiety groups, we have uh, groups like that, we're setting up one for women with eating disorders, all of those sorts of things so people can help one another. So it becomes a natural filter to get to the psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever, you know, wow. because most people need someone to talk to. And, you know, I'm finding that uh, some of the best volunteers that we're getting are people that have been on the streets or they've been in prison or they've yeah. been an addict or whatever, and now they're wanting to use their mess to be their message. You know, they're, they're helping others now. Are you finding the same yeah. thing? You're getting all these people that yeah. are, their lives are transformed and yeah. now they're reaching out to others? Yes, yes, yes. Because you have to do your rehabilitation, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can become a sponge and soak everything up, but that's really narcissistic in a way. Mm. If you go out and then share what you've learned with someone else, it actually benefits you and them. Yeah. That's what I find. And I think it's lots of ways the core of Jesus that um, it's loving compassion. A broken heart is a wonderful thing because it understands other broken hearts and can share. And I kind of relate to that a lot. I'm curious to know about uh, the changes that have happened since COVID. Uh, obviously, there was uh, a lot of people taken off the streets and, and put in hotels. That was a big thing. But uh, have you found that there's been an increase? Like, is there a lot more people uh, that are that are struggling that, you know, have you had an increase in... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of lot more domestic violence, a uh, lot of that. Yep. A lot of women in cars with kids, yeah. you know, a lot of that. Uh, a lot of people who were students or in, you know... Uh, who their livelihood was just taken away because yep. a lot of the students used to work in bars or restaurants or have part-time jobs. All those jobs vanished. We're kind of also gearing up because we expect with the rolling back of um, JobKeeper yeah, yep. and JobSeeker mm. that we're going to get a lot more people. Like we find people basically because they can go to the doctor if they're sick but they haven't got the many money for the prescription. Yeah. So they think, what's the point of going to a doctor? Mm. I can't afford what he's going to give me anyway. Mm. So a lot of stuff like that, that that's really basic, where a mother will have to choose between medication for a kid or meals for everybody. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, you know, one thing I'm curious to know, uh, certainly in Brisbane where we do our work, there's been an, a massive ice epidemic and people are cooking it everywhere and they're, yeah. they're even giving it away now just to get people yeah. hooked so that they can become an addict. You know? Are you finding yeah. ice is the biggest issue or is, there, is, there, is it cocaine? Are there other drugs that are, that are really affecting people as well? We have Narcotics Anonymous, MA, which is Crystal Meth Anonymous, which is Ice Anonymous, and all of those sorts of groups. And each one is full. <laughs> mm, wow. Each one is full. Because a lot of people decided to cope with this pandemic using substances. Yeah. Yep. So it's blown up a lot, yeah. Mm. Blown up a lot. And, and we find the community and getting people, being compassionate to one another 
begins because you're looking for fulfilment in a way, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and part of that is through loving compassion. The other thing that uh, I'd love to, to know about is uh, your volunteers. Uh, one of the guys yeah. I've been working with for years um, was uh, in a very conservative church for a number of years and v- yeah. very wealthy. And he told me a few years ago that he would have crossed the street if he saw a homeless person uh, all his life. Yes. And then a few years ago yes. when he started volunteering, he got the bug. <laughs> and he's now you know, inviting people over for dinner and helping people get into rehabs yes. and helping them get jobs. Like he's, he's our yes. best volunteer. Are you finding yes. that there's people that are getting it and actually doing what Jesus would do in these situations? Well, a, a lot of people either get it or judge it. Yeah. You know? And... We all the time have to um, be very careful to make sure the volunteers we get aren't the ones who judge things. Yeah, yeah. You know, just accept people as they... It's amazing. The more you accept people as you are, as they are, the more they change. Yeah, If yep. you try and put all this change on them, it doesn't happen. But yeah. it'll happen anyway through loving compassion. Now, a lot of people think, oh, it's just the inner city churches that need to do that. You know, the churches out in the suburbs, you know, they don't really need to, to do that because there aren't many homeless people there. But the reality is it's central to the command of Jesus that, you know, we've got to give food to the hungry, a, a drink, you know, visit those in prison. You know, the, the scriptures are very clear about it. Uh, but yet yeah. a lot of churches, they kind of like they might have their little group that does it, but they don't embrace it as a whole. And I reckon every no. church should be a, a refuge uh, like, like yours is, uh, Bill. What's your challenge to churches? How, how can they get out of their four walls and actually get on the streets and, and help people? I think a lot of people going to churches feel the very act of going to church and doing all that is enough. And I don't think it is. And often people will say, I'm saved, so bugger everybody else. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I say... I say, that's not what it's about. Mm. The minute you get smug and feel you're saved and you don't have to worry about anything, it's the very minute you should start worrying. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The young man who came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, give it away. Mm. Give everything away. Give yourself away. And he couldn't do it. And a lot of people... Don't listen to that, mm. you know. And also, it's an everyday thing. Your religion's an everyday thing. It's not, oh, Jesus is up on the cross, hallelujah, blah, blah, blah. It's actually, what's my cross for today? Yeah, yeah. It's actually that. Mm. Mm. Well, I just love the fact that you're really making a difference in Sydney. And I know that uh, I hear you on your radio show on uh, Sunday nights, uh, you know, talking uh, you know, to people Thank all over you. the nation as well. It's great to hear you've got a heart for the media as well. If people want to find out more, the website is org, and uh, you can search up the Exodus Foundation, the Bill Cruz Foundation, Wayside Chapel on social media. Uh, I, uh, I love seeing the, the impact that you're making uh, in, uh, in this nation. Uh, and, you know, I've been doing it for over 30 years. Years and your team have given over 9 million meals to the poor and homeless. Yeah. Uh, what a great example and uh, a great encouragement to all of us. Bill, I reckon you're a history maker, mate. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. 
History Makers is a faith-based ministry, and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater, and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor.